Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. It's our 92nd episode and it's our New Year's Day edition. So welcome Andy to the special New Year's Day GPS Training Podcast. Good morning. Have you been up too much? Not a lot really. Um, more just preparation for Christmas, last minute Christmas shopping. Very um, good. Good morning. You're assuming people listen to the morning or afternoon. Yeah, this could be afternoon. <laughs> I don't know. It's not, even, it's not even morning here. It's, it's afternoon. It's a good start, isn't it? It's good afternoon or good morning yeah. whenever you're listening to us. So, um, sorry, have you been up too much or not really? So, no, I've had a bit of a lull with sort of going out in the outdoors and walking and that weather's been horrible. As you know, high winds, etc. So hopefully uh start of the new year, I've got a few things planned and a nice New Year's, actually New Year's Eve morning walk up in the Simon Side Hills in Northumberland. Sounds superb. Brilliant. So this special New Year's Day podcast, as promised, we're going to look at two subjects. We're going to look back at the year that has been, which was 2023, and then we're going to look forward to 2024. Now, we don't know what's happening in 2024, but we've just got some, what we would like to see, we can dream a little, can't we? And again, if you have any thoughts as you're listening to uh, the podcast, please just leave in the comments in the comment box below whether you agree with what we think of the summary of 2023 and whether you, what else you would like us to, or what you would like to be see in 2024. So, looking back to 2023. In February, Andy, we had the launch of the Motro Defy Satellite Link, which, to be honest, we knew at the time was going to change the world um and it it has hasn't it really of two-way satellite communication yes just when you're looking for something that's not got high monthly costs but wanting to stay safe and be able to text family members friends and hopefully if you you know something you don't need but an sos button for emergency services but without the higher costs of some of the other subscription services um just something that was lower cost um came with a whole year's free so actually when you purchased it you didn't have to pay anything a month those customers who will be getting to the end of their year the ones who first bought it um early next year the nice thing is they're going to be able to start a package from just five pound a, a month yeah absolutely amazing really. it has completely changed the marketplace it's a little bit of time for us and the customers to get to groups with it because there are a few little anomalies but i think once we understood how it worked i think the christmas did as well and um to be honest they just sell you no know, seamless now don't they? we don't really hear them from customers who are buying them um, because they just seem to be working as as they expect they are yeah and you know it, you know other two-way satellite communicators we sell do different features cover other areas that this one doesn't cover so yeah you, you know you have got some limitations but you've got to look at as long as you know what those limitations are and you can see the areas of the world it covers and you know what it does it's a great product um someone hiking and walking day walking in europe who wants a bit of backup uh, it's great value and like you say it has shook up the market a bit just because um the reason we say that most of that products on the market you're paying a monthly subscription starting from around the 13 pound a month 18 pound a month and more so something that's free for a year and then potentially just sorry not potentially is starting at just under five pound a month is great brilliant and then that was followed in march by the garmin e-trex sc so people don't know this is the budget gps unit from garmin this replaced the e-trex 10 or the e-trex h if we go before that the yellow gps we're more we'll have seen it because it's been out with us for uh, literally decades i'm going to say decades it was the first gps unit i ever bought many years ago and the e-trex sc again a fresh start for garmin the only similar thing compared to the previous units was it was yellow other than that complete change Andy, isn't it yeah so i mean there's a lot of customers out there want something as just backup you know don't want to rely on their phone but aren't necessarily looking for color maps and just want something that gives an accurate gps signal that can record an activity record a track do a simple breadcrumb trail back with a line back um to the start Put a route on a unit as backup where they're mainly using their map and compass but want something on a screen just as backup if something goes wrong, you know, the weather's horrible and the car, you know, the map's flapping around and they need to get a grid reference. 
um, which the, the original E-Trex 10 did really well. But what we're really seeing with the change is this, with the older E-Trex units, you always needed a computer to send anything to the device. So Garmin have moved on, which they've done in most of the other units they sell, where you can pair it with an app and you don't need a computer to use it. So you can transfer routes or sync data to see where you've been, where you've recorded with an app on a phone. I think that was the, the main change for me. Um, they've also added on the, the multi-band GNSS, so it's picking up a lot more satellites than the older one. Um, so it just makes it more accurate. And I think finally for me, it's it doesn't we don't have the joystick anymore. It's button control, which you're gonna you're gonna get ah, split views. Some people really like the little joystick of the E-Trexes. Some people prefer button control. Um, I was gonna say I sit on the fence. I like both, but. As I've used it more and more, I am finding the buttons a bit easier than the joystick. I think people think it is the basic GPS unit. The, the functionality you get in that basic unit now is is, is second to none. I think it really has stepped up, completely different interface than any other GPS units. And I think this is the way, when we think of forward to next year or, or 2024, um, That's I think we're going to see more of that flowing through. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's... You know, on a budget, it does a lot. And I mean, I've seen various feedback on forums of, well, who's going to buy it? Who's going to buy someone without maps? And always look and think, we, we use people still love using paper maps, which isn't a bad thing. We love using paper maps. People are carrying maps and compass, but they just want that peace of mind of something as backup and don't want to be relying on a phone. We know all the, we're not going to have a big discussion on the different, you know, why a phone could cause you an issue. We know there is apps that work well on phones, but I think to have something at a low cost with a mega long battery life, tough and robust, waterproof, gives you a very accurate grid reference, lets you do that breadcrumb trail. Um, as a backup isn't a bad thing you still potentially maybe carrying your map and compass with this um type of device you know um so it's, it's funny you say you say who will buy that thing actually i can tell you or we can tell you a lot of people are buying that gps unit when we compare it to the old e-trex um, um 10 um where i'll be honest with you i'm, I'm never scared of talking about sales base we would literally sell no half a dozen a year yeah at that if that Andy, I think if you sell this a week on this unit. Exactly right. That's what we're selling. So literally, you are fifty-two times better sales than what we had on the other one. And that is no exaggeration. No, when we buy this unit, we buy them in multiples of tens. Where the old E-Trex ten, we sold in multiples of one, and that is no exaggeration. So, so uh, it's funny when Andy says, "Oh, people on forums are saying who would buy this." There's a lot of people buying. It. I mean, I meant that just as it, it you yeah. know. I know who would buy it. Um, I'm starting to find out the typical customer who's liking this unit. Another thing which got me thinking and some of the nice feedback I've had, customers out there doing long events, doing multi-day events, ultra runs, don't necessarily own a GPS watch and they want something where they can record an event where a device goes for multiple days. I mean, with this device, you don't have to change batteries. Um, I forgot what the figure is now, but it's a crazy battery life. You can go two or three days doing a multiple event without even changing batteries and just record the activity. So you've got all your stats of your distances and your speed, etc., and a and recording of where you've been. Yeah, I've got the computer in front of me. 168 hours of battery life in standard mode. 1,800 hours in expedition mode. So, so even if you put it as multi-band, um, I couldn't give you a figure 100%, but it's going to go two or three days, you know. So I think a person who's doing an ultra event and maybe just using it to record the activity and keep an eye on how far they've travelled, yes, they can put the route on as a line to follow. They may be using their map and compass, but they're getting that data on something that they're not going to have to change batteries in. So that, that's another great reason for this type of product, small, compact and light for that type of event. I think looking back on the year, I know we're only into March now, but those two products, the Motorola and the E-Trex SE, I think are the two standout products from the year. I know they are the budget end of the market, but they are two that have completely changed the marketplace. Yeah. The Motorola with that affordable two-way satellite communication and the SE for just being so much for GPS for such a small amount of money and very, very, very different from the predecessor yeah. it replaced. Yeah. That moves us nicely on to Chorus. So Chorus have been around a little while, Andy, and then we started stocking earlier on this year, didn't we? 
Yeah, so I was just looking for um, another watch to stock so that we're not, you know, opening up the market for, for different makes so we, you know, we can be a bit more impartial with the products we sell. Um, so Coros is a watch band that has been out a number of years. Um, pretty much watches that were geared up more for the running and trail running. And they do actually do four different models of watch and what we've done is we've started by stocking the middle range of those watches and it was just looking for a watch that we could bring in that give you some of the nice features we have on some of the other models we sell things like titanium bezel gorilla glass screen color screen but at a lower cost for someone who's looking for something that might not have all the bells and whistles but does a good job as a trail running runner's watch hike you know hiking as well you can use it for hiking it's a watch you can seamlessly put roots on really simply using a very easy to use app transfer roots on again as a bit of backup but giving you something with a color sapphire glass screen nice tough screen and titanium bezel nice looking watch it at a good competitive price and just gives us something different you know and we've done really well on it, especially coming to Christmas um, um, end of last year. Is you now we sold a lot of chorus watches because, as Andy says, a quite high spec GPS watch, which is cheaper than a Garmin, and it's just something a bit different as well, isn't it? I think. Oh, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles. I never like this putting when people compare products and say, "Oh, is it as good as this?" Well, that product costs a few hundred pound more because it has some extra things. I'll just. Brief example, you know, I've got a Garmin watch where I can link it, play music and link it to Deezer and Amazon, um, Spotify, things like that. The Chorus watch, I can put music on it, but I have to plug it into a computer and put MP3 files on. I can use my Garmin watch for pay, to pay for goods. Um, I can't do that on the chorus, but do I need that? That's the it's 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 a good watch. We're not knocking, uh, you know. There's a higher value watch for a reason because it'll have some extra features. But often when we come down to the lower price watches, you find you then onto a more sort of fiber polymer fiber case. You're not getting the sapphire glass. And someone who's thinking, actually, you know, I can't, I haven't got the money to spend on that watch with the sapphire screen and the titanium bezel and but i'd like a watch that has that sort of quality build good dual band multi-frequency gps good battery life is another great feature of the chorus watch but i don't want the plastic polymer type watch uh, and it just gives one, someone a, a choice really you know i mean it may be in the future we look at some of the other models that they do but at the minute we've concentrated on the chorus apex 2 and the Apex 2 Pro, the main difference being the Pro's slightly bigger battery, slightly bigger bezel, and has the dual frequency. Um, so the other one has the multi-GNS, but this has the dual frequency for the extra accuracy if you get the Pro one. So they're the two models that we're stopping in a number of different finishes. Very good. And we're big fans. No, I'm sat opposite Andy. He's got both a Garmin and a Chorus on each of his wrists at the moment. Surely I like both of them. I can't decide. So I'm wearing a Chorus Apex uh, 2 Pro and a, an Epix watch. So, yeah. And then in May, we had the what's turned out to be the best-selling GPS unit currently in the market um, being launched, which is the Garmin GPS Map 67 67i. Now, it wasn't a massive upgrade on paper, but the upgrades were... Well, massive. I think the more I've gone into it, I've discovered things we, that even Garmin themselves still haven't really said that it does, you know. Um, so it was the upgrade really the 66SR, which was Garmin's an hour best-selling outdoor GPS unit. So the key thing was that I had 35 hours of battery life, which we thought was fantastic, and we still think is fantastic. And then we upgraded to the 67 with 180 hours of battery life, 67i, and a little bit less than that. 140, I think. Yeah. So... Um, and and a few things like we got multi band and and on the on the sixty seven i which we never used to get on the still sixty six i. It's the dual frequency. Dual frequency. So, so the multi band we've had for a while. Multi band being you're picking up more than yeah. one set of satellites. But having said that, the multi bands improved because in the old days we picked up GPS and GLONASS or GPS and Galileo. We're now picking up four or five different satellites. So the multi band's picking up a lot more satellites, but it's in this dual frequency where you've got certain satellites like top of my head. I know the GPS and Galileo ones transmitted L1 and L5 or E1 and E5, which means it, it irons out any discrepancies you might get if you've got tall buildings to the side of you, if you're in areas like a deep ravine, deep tree coverage. It just irons out any of those discrepancies with the two signals and the higher strength signal. So, yeah, dual, dual frequency um, has been added. So what else then? <coughs> 
why why has it been such a big seller? Why is it completely dominated at the last? To me, I think it's the battery. So I think if you go back, the sixty six range was excellent. I think people wanted that you know tough, robust upgrade of the push button units that we'd had for a number of years, like the sixty twos, the sixty fours, something you know a slightly bigger screen. Um, works with the app. So you, again, going back to what we mentioned about the eTrex SE earlier, we're not needing a computer anymore, so we're using apps. Whereas with the older like sixty twos, sixty fours, really you used a computer to transfer stuff onto the unit. So really, that was an upgrade that came into the sixty six range. Tough, robust. People, are, I think, are going back to buttons, realizing that you know they're they're enjoying the hiking and trail running all season and all weathers and a push button tends to work better in that type of environment and it's a slim unit to carry if you're doing long distance stuff and want something just shoved in a pocket a little pocket in front of your rucksack say if you're doing trail running so i think what they've really done is just said well here's a great unit how can we make it better battery life people are doing more you know like me and you we're going to talk about later some of the things we've been doing people are doing more long distance events over many days so they're looking for that better battery i know there's that people sit on the fence about do i I would rather have a unit where you can put your own batteries in so i think i can understand when you've got a unit that lasts 30 odd hours which is still great there's then that concern or i can't just put my own battery and i need a power pack but suddenly when you've got a unit going way over 100 hours you don't have that same worry so i think that's been the two big things but then I mean, as I've used it, I discover little things. I'm just going to mention a couple of them that they mightn't seem that big, but it's it's going back to not needing a computer. I always I get a little bit frustrated sometimes with Garmin. They'll have a product where they say, "Oh, you don't need a computer now," but oh, actually, you do if you want to. I'll use an example if you want to update the preloaded maps on the units. So these 67 units come preloaded with all of Europe, the same as the 66SR did and the 66I. But with the 66 units, you didn't need to, a computer to send routes to the unit or sync data of what you've done. But if you want to update the maps, you needed Garmin Express on a computer. Garmin didn't really put this in the spec, but I discovered early on with the 67 range, you do not need a computer for anything. So the, the free maps for all of Europe can be updated via Wi-Fi. Just fascinating. When you rightly went back and said, all the GPS maps is, I think this is the difference when you think back is Garmin have worked so hard on that GPS map 66 or six GPS map series over the last five or six years. You think about it, the GPS map 66S when it came out was a game changer, slightly larger screen. But what do we have at the same time? Oregon 700 was kind of around. And this, and, but what we've had is another, so 66S, 66SR, 67, they've progressed very quickly with that range and moved on very quickly where a lot of the other units have kind of said, oh, right, we're happy with that one, we'll just leave as it is. So I think that you're right by going all the way back because you can see how they've quickly progressed, added extra features onto it and made it into, well, the best-selling GPS unified garment. But even the maps, I'm looking at the maps and I'm going through the maps going, oh yeah, I can update the European maps for free now and then suddenly I'm going, Australia, Singapore, Taiwan, I can't, list them all off the top of my head we showed in our videos on the online training course but i suddenly discovered there's free updates you can put maps on for other countries and we haven't got the whole of the world there but they didn't even mention that in the like oh with the new 67 range you don't just get europe you can install any of our topo active maps so that was you know it, again it's it's an extra benefit at the end of the day be diplomatic here. Somebody spent a lot of the morning on the phone to Garmin. I think they really know a lot of what's going on in the world of Garmin, and they do they really. I think it's quite interesting that we get a product and dis- uh, discover and explore and find out the pros and the cons about it, um, which often they don't even, uh, or the people we deal with, uh, with the greatest respect, don't really know. Uh, it's just when, you know, we always get, when we get a new product, we get the spec sheets that say new, this has been added. So, yes, it had battery life, had about the dual um, frequency. But I didn't see anything that said maps can now be updated with Wi-Fi, don't need a computer. You also have additional maps you can download. It might be added somewhere now, but it certainly wasn't at launch. So yeah, it's just been a, a brilliant product. And I think, I mean, if I went through all those things I've mentioned there, to me, it's it's just the battery life. And, you know, people will say, well, why do you need 100 hours battery life? It's a case of I go for a walk, I come home, I forget to charge it. I'm going for a walk a couple of days later oh it doesn't matter I've still got 80% battery and then I do it again and again and then you've got I know at some stage I've got to charge it but it just means you're not worrying as much at the end of the day I've missed one thing out for May we moved business premises in May 
How could you miss that out? <laughs> as we sit in the new premises. As the new, new premises. So yeah, people don't know. On the 1st of February, we got keys to a, a new premises and we spent 10 weeks um, kitting it all out the way that we wanted it. We've been in business for a number of years now, so we got a blank piece of paper, kit out exactly what we want. And uh, even people have been to our training in Northumberland, uh, which has always now been very, very popular over the last year. So thanks everybody for that. And even the this year's courses or the 2024 courses are, are getting well booked up for Northumberland. So you'll be able to come and see uh, where we're based. So we uh, we moved in um, in May. And I'm going to say, Andy, have we, we've never looked back, have we? I think we've, yeah, we've, we've, not. we've been very settled uh, in our new premises. Okay, June. June is always a big month. We'll go on. To, we'll do the units first, then we'll talk about other things that take place in June. So, um, Garmin's Phoenix Seven Pro launch, and also the new Epix, which, yeah, I think the Epix is the biggest story really between yeah. people. Don't know the two watches from Garmin. Um, the Garmin Phoenix has been with us a, a number of years now, and then the explain the difference Andy, between the Epix and the yeah. Phoenix. So again, with these two, I'm going to look at the sixty-seven as in. Why did the 67 come out? Because they've got a brilliant 66 and let's just see if we can improve it. So if I go to the Phoenix 7 Pro and the Epix Pro, both of them to me are watches that maybe hadn't been out that long, but then they've looked at how can we make these brilliant watches even better. So the main difference between the two, John's just mentioned there. So the Phoenix 7 um, or the Phoenix 7 Pro has the transreflective, um, it's the memory in pixel See, on the spot, I've remembered it, the MIP, the MIP screen. So it's the type of screen that has always been brilliant in bright sunlight or, or just using it outdoors, just using it outdoors in the light. But inside, it's always been a bit duller. But the trade-off is, or, or sorry, the positive is brilliant battery life, you know. Um, the Epix range, when that first came back in um, as the Epix 2 and now the Epix um, 2 Pro has an AMOLED screen. So the AMOLED screen is a sort of very bright screen that's always emitting light that looks brilliant when you're indoors or in dark light conditions. It has struggled in the past on other watches I've seen in sunny conditions, but Garmin seem to have got it pretty spot on. You're always going to get again where I probably sit on the fence a bit. Here's me sitting with an Epix watch on my wrist at the minute. But I, I, I'd, the Phoenix watch, some people say the, the, the MIP screens are better in really bright sunlight. I'm finding Garmin have got a good done a good job with the AMOLED screen. And it's hard to necessarily say a year or nay to that. But I think the main thing is with the Epix in the duller conditions. And certainly if you're indoors using it more as a, a smartwatch in your everyday life, it is a much brighter screen the trade-off being battery life isn't going to be as good as a phoenix 7 but that's where we've now got some changes with the the pro one so maybe if i start with some of the changes that go across both models if that's all right um so where if you've got a phoenix 7 and i've had a few customers who have said actually i see you've still got the phoenix 7 it's a little bit cheaper and i've went through the differences and said well i'm still going to buy the phoenix 7 i don't really need those new features, but I'll run through them. So Phoenix 7 and the Epix have both been given an upgraded heart rate monitor on the back. Garmin are always looking to improve things. The main thing I see from the heart rate monitor that I've read into, and it's not activities I do, so I can't give you a thorough test to see a yes or no to how it's improved, but it's to do with if you're doing real physical activities, I suppose like weight training, gym training, where your wrist's moving around an awful lot. They've redesigned the shape and the LEDs on the back of the new heart rate monitor so that it um, there's less, um, I think they call it light pollution. So you should get a more accurate reading when you're doing those more sort of shaking your wrist around is the best way I can describe it, you know. Um, so they've improved the heart rate monitor on both of them. Also what they've done is all of the models now have the flashlight, which is my favourite accessory or favorite edition um in the past you had to get it was only the phoenix 7x at the top of my head wasn't it that had the flashlight so all of the phoenix 7 pro models and all of the epics 2 pro models now have the little led flashlight and i tell you what i use it nearly every single day i mean i live somewhere where there's no street lights and it's dark and i get home and my light doesn't come on the house because they've turned it off to save electricity and i'm putting the i'm putting the rubbish out of the bins in the dark and i don't know i just it 
two button presses and I've got a little flashlight to come on. I'm not going to be using it for navigating in the hills on a long journey. I'm going to run my battery down. But another example could be, and I've had this happen before, head torches being knocked off my head. Something's happened, my head torches suddenly went off and I need to change batteries. I can use the light on my watch just for that couple of minutes to get into my backpack to change the batteries for my head torch. Um, so, yep, flashlight. Yeah. Have you got a you got a flashlight? I've got a flashlight on mine, yes. I'm sitting with a new Phoenix 7 Pro, so I bet you, do you use the flashlight? You must do. I I do occasionally, yes. I do occasionally, but I live in a little bit more urban environment than what you do, Andy, so we have streetlights where I live. Yeah, I'm a poor person with no streetlights. And actually with that flashlight, it's something I keep meaning to try. I don't particularly like running in the dark around the country lanes, but you can get it so the flashlight goes red and white with the movement of your arm, you know, so I must give that a... I keep promising to test that. Um, So flashlight I've mentioned, and... I'm going to do the final one with the Phoenix 7 Pro. So this is the Pro. They've improved the power glass screen. Um, They didn't seem to make a big song and dance about this, but I've had a good look at your watch and compared it to the Phoenix 7 that I had prior to this watch I've got. And it is a bright... They have made the memory and pixel screen. It's just got that little bit more... I'm going to say brightness. It seems to adapt better to different light conditions so i think it is it has improved it in the darker conditions i think what they've done is in the old phoenix um seven um they had like behind the screen they had like was that 10 percent of solar panels didn't they and they've now removed that from behind the screen and you've just got the solar panel around the edge and what what you look when you look at the number of reviews of people saying they say actually with that bit of 10 percent behind you couldn't see it but it just sometimes dulls that Slightly screen dull a little bit. bit. Yeah. It's quite funny. I, I, when I gave my my friend, uh, he had a Phoenix 6, and he um, upgraded to a Phoenix 7. And i never forget this. I never said anything at the time. He he took his Phoenix 6 off his wrist there and then, yeah. put his Phoenix 7 on, switched it on, and went, it's not as bright as the other one. And I went straight away. He, like, direct comparison. His 6 didn't that, have the solar. didn't have the solar behind. And yeah. what they've done is taking that solar from behind. You've got a better clarity of screen. Yep. which just gives it a bit more crispness on it. And to be honest, I'm like you, there wasn't a big song and dance at the time, but I think that's quite a fundamental yeah. thing that they've listened to the customers and, and, and they've gone back. To I noticed it straight away when I grabbed yours. I mean, I think anyone who's got, an, a, 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 the, the, not the Phoenix 7 Pro, don't be disappointed. It's a, one, the, the, there's a cheaper cost at the end of the day, but actually when you're using it outdoors, which let's face it, the main purpose of that Phoenix 7 watch is an outdoor watch. For me, it is anyway, for, for the hiking, the trail running, um, the activities where you're outdoors and it's still, ju- you know, the older one is as good as it's, it, it, you know, that I don't think's changed. It's more the difference when you're in the dimmer conditions, you know. Um, so that's really covered the, the pro, the, the, the things that have been added. So the big thing with the Epics is it only came in one size, which was the fifth, oh, I've got to get this right, it had 47... 51. 51. And what's the bigger? Is, oh, um, bum, bum, bum. Sorry, I should have had this written down. It's all right. It is Considering the... Considering I'm wearing the bigger one. 52. No, 42 was a small one. Sorry, so 42. 42, 47, 47 and, 51, and 51, yeah. So we only had the mid-sized one. Um, basically, it was one size with the Epix 2. We've now got the three sizes the same as the Phoenix 7 watches and the big thing is really the, the with the bigger one now the, they've managed to squeeze in I'm, I'm led to believe they've got the same battery that they put in with um that enduro 2 watch that they do which has always been that biggest most powerful battery so actually now i've got the bigger epics i'm wearing on my wrist um its battery is not far off what my Phoenix 7X was, so I'm getting that long battery. So that's the big change. You've got it in three sizes now, so just more choice. If you've got you know a different size wrist, we're all want possibly a different size watch. Obviously, the smaller one does have the smaller battery um, as they go up the sizes, but we've now got a much bigger battery with the option of the bigger sized one. I'd give people a bit of stats on that larger one, which is a 51 millimeter. So if you're using it as a smartwatch only, 31 days of battery life. If you're using with GPS only, which if you're doing an ultra event, something that's more than likely what you'll be using, uh, you've got up to 82 hours 
or battery life or 58 hours with it always on so again well so the next we're going to move on to some of the ultra events you know for most people that will meet those requirements i'm looking at the always on screen i'm using mine at the minute where i have it fairly low the brightness because it is the amulet screen you don't need it mega bright and i've got it always on so if i can get that 58 hours i'll be chuffed i'm getting about 11 days in smart mode but that's because i've decided to have the screen on all the time and i'm happy with it i know that that's at the end of the day i know what i'm doing with it i could set it so i have to tip the wrist up to me for it to come on i'm going to eke out more and get closer to that 31 days so it's a personal choice how you use it so i think yeah i sort of say when we started this i said phoenix 7 pro and epics i think epics made the big step epics there's there's changes to both of them but by having the three models andy rightly says i think epics then kind of came alongside the the phoenix range yeah. and and I think we will have been selling 50-50 now, where before we sell 75% Phoenix and 25% Epics. I think by having that larger one, as Andy's rightly said, I think has really brought a lot more people into And the it's a personal place. choice, you know, the screens, you know, some people have sat on forums and said, I can't understand how anyone would ever buy that one if you've now got the one with the brightest screen. But again, there's a cost difference and some people don't want that, the mega bright screen, they prefer... A screen that's not as in your face. I know, you know, it's, it's a we all make that choice, and you're getting the better battery, and it's got the solar in it. And if you're using it more as an outdoor watch, you know, I, I can see I'm not again. It's a hard decision for me when I looked at what am I going to do now? I fancy going back to a Garmin. I'm using my Coros as well. I use both of them together. Some different reasons why. If I want a smaller watch on my wrist, but at the end of the day, I found it quite. The amount of times I must have asked you and said, I think I'm going to get the Phoenix Seven. I think I'm going to get the Epics. I think you know, and yeah, I've went for the Epics Two Pro. I'm very happy with it, but I can see the reasons for both. Totally brilliant. Right, June. What else do we have in June? Yeah, high points of the year, Andy, really, is the, the, the spine race. If people listen to the podcast, you know we um, do the uh, spine race on Spine Challenger South this year, and we did a pre-event uh, podcast, then we did a post-event podcast. Um, go back and listen. I'll put a link into the uh, into the show notes if you want to go back and listen to those. These people don't know. It's a ultra-event, Andy, 108 miles um, yeah, so the Montane Spine do they do about they do four events winter. So the winter ones are starting uh, middle of January this year, and then they do the summer ones in June, and they do like a sprint, which is up. To, it's about forty eight mile the sprint. Southern Challenge, so that's the first forty eight mile of the Pennine Way starting at Edale. The Southern Challenger that me and John took part in this year, and I'd done the year, I tried to attempt the year before as well, is one hundred and eight miles from Edale to Hardrow, the first 108 miles. And then we have the Northern Challenger, which starts at Hardrow to Kirk Yetham. John will know the figure, top of his head. 160 sure. miles. 160 miles. And then the full Pennine Way race is the 260, is it 268, I think? 268, I'm sure. Yes, 268, yeah. I've been studying it for when I decide they'd be crazy and do that. But So it's the, that's what they do. Um, so... Amazing event um, sponsored by Montaigne, Montaigne Spine. Um, the guys are originally set it up. They, they'd done some stuff in the Antarctic and thought, what can we bring back to Britain and make it? Basically, the, the, ter the, the terminology uses the most brutal race um, out there. Really, it was the winter one that it started it all off with when they started it in this country because of the, the conditions we get on the Pennine Way in the winter in January and then to go non-stop other than a you know a few checkpoints where we really people just come in for a short stop and in a way back out in the hills during the night in blizzards and snow it is a pretty harsh race obviously we're doing it in the June which is the summer which has its own challenges as well but that's what the Montaigne's all about mm -hmm. and we're all back to it again next year yeah, so I'm having a, um, John did tremendous with his first attempt of the, oh sorry, first attempt, he completed the Southern Challenger, was it 51 hours? 52 hours 52 and five hours. Um, 52 hours and four minutes to be size. I've had a couple of attempts, unfortunately, not managed through various things. Uh, heat's got the better of me and other things, but I'm not put off by it. I'm going back for a third attempt next summer, so I'm doing the Southern Challenger again. And John's doing the Northern Challenge, 160 miles. So uh, yeah, when Andy finishes, or before he finishes, I'll be setting off from his finish line and going all the way up to Yetham in the um, in the Scottish Borders, which I'm really looking forward to because it's a bit like walking home. It is so uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was nice to complete it. Um, high points and low point of my life. Well, it's the high point of my life, really, or one of the high points of my life. 
thoroughly enjoyed it, uh, totally exhausted. Um, said I would never do it again, but I signed up for the, uh, the Northern I've got Section. the bar, I've, I've got to get it done. Um, this fingers crossed. It, it, it gets you, it's a bit of a bug, it's a, an amazing event. Uh, it's one of the best things I've ever done, even though I've not managed to complete it. I still think it's one of the best things I've done. keeps me going mentally and uh, doing it next year again, so looking forward to that. Brilliant. And then... Quite an end of the year, really. I'm jumping all the way through to December because, again, Garmin tried to preload everything at the start of the year, so we've kind of got all the products as they run up to Christmas. Um, but we just got launched in December, November, December, with this solar-powered e-trex, which was the e-trex SC now with solar panel on it, which has done well, Andy, hasn't it? A little bit more expensive um, compared to the SC. Yeah. I think it's a tougher one because it does jump up in price. It's still just about the lowest price handheld GPS we sell. So really it takes on board the eTrex SE again for someone not necessarily needing something with colour maps because you can't put maps on it. It's a black and white screen. But it's going to people who are maybe using it in businesses where they don't want to worry about finding batteries. I know, again, we've got that argument towards using AA batteries or not. But with the solar panel, so it's the very first handheld that we've got... I know Garmin do it in some of the cycle units, but a handheld sort of hike and walk and trail running GPS that has solar in it um, to give a built with a built-in battery and just an unbelievable potentially non-stop battery that could go on forever, depending on how much sunlight you have on the screen. So again, I think for people doing long, long challenges, never having to worry about battery, um, you know, businesses using it for maybe marking references that they're marking out, you know. Um, things like that where you don't have to worry about who's got the batteries and what they've added is the dual frequency that I talked about in the Garmin watches actually one of the Coros Apex 2 Pro has the dual frequency so we now have that L1, L2, E1, E2, um, sorry L1, L5 isn't it the, 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 the dual frequency bands from likes of GPS and Galileo just to give you more accuracy so it's a nice end to the year so before we finish off the year I must say wholeheartedly thank you so much we've had our best year ever at GPS training uh, I took all the staff out at the end of October beginning of November because we hit our best ever year of GPS sales and we've done really well on the GPS course as well so that's all down to you guys the listeners and the pe- listeners to the podcast and the people who support um, us and I say this wholeheartedly without you guys <laughs> we wouldn't have a job um, so we can't thank you enough um, and, and yeah, we really appreciate that support you buying your new units off, your new watches off us, and uh, we very much hope you've enjoyed the experience. So then, moving on to 2024, what would we like to see? As I said on last month's podcast, I'm not got a clue what is coming next year. I will do at the start of, um, in, well, within the next week or 10 days, I'll be getting a, 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 an information off Garmin of what we've got ahead of ourselves. So this is completely our wish list what would we like to see um in devices or yeah anything uh, for 2024 first on my list andy is do you think the solar power solar powered uh, gps is that was the first of many yeah i would like to think so because garmin had started it with i know we're not we don't do a lot Oh, sorry, don't do work with the cycle units as such, but I knew I'd seen it in the cycle units. And of course, we've got it in the watches, so we're very familiar with it in the watches. So I was surprised they hadn't do it, done it sooner in the handhelds. So of course, when the SE, sorry, not the SE Solar, when they brought out the SE and then brought out the E-Trex Solar, it was nice to see. So I don't think that being a bad thing. Why not? You know, if we can utilise, if they can get that into the models, I suppose it's the space of where you put it because if we look at typically i suppose if i looked at the gps map 67 our most popular seller when you look at the e-trex solar it's not solar around the edge of the screen as far as i can see it's like a little panel below on the casing whereas on the if you were keeping the style of the 67 and not making it any bigger you haven't got the space for that so it's something to put around the outer be interesting i mean solar technology is getting better as we know on the way they can put it on the screens like they've done on the watches so yeah that wouldn't be a bad thing if we could see you know we don't know that's coming but um it would be nice to maybe see and that that's the only thing i could think of if i was going to upgrade me 67 how could you upgrade it and make it better 
keeping the same style and size <coughs> would be potentially something like that. And I think also be interesting to see that E-Trex range. So the E-Trex SE we've talked about and E-Trex Solar, it's been a completely different interface. It's slightly, it's a completely different case than what we see currently on the 22X and 32X. So surely that is going to be rolled out across that E-Trex mm -hmm. range. Surely we'll have an update to the 22X, 32X. Mm -hmm. That's my thoughts. Anyway. I suppose the whole selling point when they first brought out the E-Trexes was a very small, compact unit for people doing long, long, um, I'm not going to say multi-day treks, I'm talking about weeks and months away, where every bit of weight is very important. So yeah, to have some smaller units, because really, we don't have a lot of choice in the size of units now. It's either the GPS map 65, 66, 67, sorry, style, which are that much difference really in size. And then a big jump to the Montana 700. There's no smaller touch screens like we used to have. They're not available now. And the only smaller unit I suppose we've got at the minute is the E-Trex ones with the black and white screen. So yeah, just having... It, so it completes the, the set where you've got really big unit, nice slim, decent size, push button unit, and then maybe more of a range of some slightly more compact units. What else would you like to see in 2024? Have you thought much about what you would like to see? <laughs> um... Maybe, the, you know, we talk about Basecamp software, which I think you've got on the list here a lot. I've heard rumours over many years that Basecamp software was going. And I know we're talking about people using more apps than software. So I suppose there's two ways to look at this. Basecamp software, to me, does lots of things that I've never found an app can do. I don't do a lot of planning in Basecamp software now, I'm going to be honest, but I use it to tinker, is the best way I can say, with things that have already been done elsewhere or another software, whether it be splitting, trimming things down, adding proximity alarms so you can put alarms where you want using um, a, a bigger map on a computer. And some of these things I find very hot, well, the apps, I haven't found the apps where you can put proximity alarms. On the watches, yes, with the Coros and Garmin, there's ways you can put things ahead on the apps, but not for the handhelds as a proximity alarm. So if it's not going to be a revamp of Basecamp, having the apps that they've already got, make them a bit easier and incorporate it maybe into what, there seems to be too many apps out there with Connect, Explore, having something that's more simplified as one app with... I don't see this happening. I mean, you can put it on your wish list. Garmin have their own maps for the whole of Europe and all over the world. But in the in Great Britain, we're used to the Ordnance Survey maps. And if I don't want to pay for a third-party app, the only way I can plan on an Ordnance Survey map with Garmin is to use their Basecamp software. And I think... It, I would hope that Garmin don't get rid of it and maybe do think actually, you know, people are using this. There is a purpose. There is still people using computers. Doesn't need that much of an update, you know. If not, some work on the app to allow us to be able to trim and cut routes down easier and add things like proximity alarms. Do you know, I wish I had a pound for every time somebody said, I heard Basecamp's been discontinued. I thought, oh, it gave me only a pound every time. I think we'd be very wealthy men. I think I've been answering that question, I'm going to say seven or eight years. People are saying Basecamp's going to the end. And even when Garmin stopped doing the bird's eye downloads through Basecamp, and the reason was, oh, Basecamp is not there to the end of time, but then nobody's replaced it. We still use it. We still utilize it. It's a fundamental part of the Garmin infrastructure, really. So, I don't know. These these apps and other options really have to step up and improve. As Andy Riley says, the key thing for us in the UK is ordnance survey mapping, isn't it, really? Yeah. So. And the other thing I know you're going to move on to this next, um, something I do get asked <coughs> quite a bit is someone who's wanting that big, you know, bigger screen um, I'm going to go back to a product we don't do anymore because the com company no longer exists. So we had SatMap GPSs for a number of years where we sold two different makes of GPS, which was nice to have that variation. And what the SatMap was always good at was it gave customers who liked the touchscreen a touchscreen, customers who preferred buttons, buttons, or both. So if it was bad conditions, you could, you know, and you were finding touchscreen wasn't as easy to use, you could turn it off and use the buttons or vice versa, you know. Um that's something I get asked quite a bit by customers. Oh, I want that big touchscreen. Oh, but it doesn't have buttons. Or, oh, I like that slightly smaller unit with buttons, but it'd be nicer. I've seen customers on courses that go to touch the screen on a push button unit and realise it's not touchscreen. Now, I love my push button unit. I think once you get the hang of it, I don't think I would change it. But it's just the sort of requests that we do get from customers. So that's Andy kind of announcing what we're going to do for the current year. So one of the things we're 
testing intensely at the moment is a, a brand of GPS units called TuNav. So as Andy Wright says, you know, since SatMap have gone out of business, sadly, we've kind of just been working with one brand of GPS units, which is Garmin. And we've also had TuNav there. We've come across them a little bit in the past. We actually bought one and used one, I'm going to say six or seven years ago. Yeah. Um, completely changed. Um, and we've been liaising with the guys in Spain who create this. And we've now got demo of all their models and we're intensively testing it as we speak now. Um, so when you yeah, when you listen to this podcast on New Year's Day, we'll have been out between Christmas and New Year with all the models of 2Nav. And we'll hopefully have a good understanding how they work, what we like about them, what we don't like about them. And I think fundamentally, if we're going to stock them, which uh, so far I would say yes... Um, and how they fit within the portfolio of other products that we sell. I think so. it's, again, it's given customers a choice. And, you know, there'll be positive and negatives again, like all products we sell. And it just gives more variation. And, it, you know, it's not a new company. They've been gone since 2001. They started off as a company specialising in units for, um, like, some paragliding. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, like, when we got that product six years ago, it was all right, but we're going to be honest, we weren't that impressed with it. But things move on. You know, we can look at other products we had five, six years ago that maybe weren't great and they moved on. Um, and looking on on the spec and what we've had in, even though we haven't done the thorough testing yet, it looks good as just an alternative and something where we we will have touchscreen and button together. So it'd be nice to have a look at something different. Yeah. So hopefully <laughs> over the coming year, you're going to see us um, invest a lot more time and money into understanding that, learning it, and once we're confident <clears throat> that it's the right product for people in certain circumstances, we'll be stocking it out, doing video reviews, rolling it out, and hopefully becoming the experts in the field in TuNav as well as Garmin. As we were with SatMap, uh, which we keep mentioning, which we were very sad to see the demise of a year and a half ago now. Uh, so hopefully we can replace them with another brand. I tell you what, I meant to mention one final thing, just something I've been testing. I know I haven't talked to you about a lot because it's, it's only something that's happened <clears throat> quite recently. But within the Coros watches, um, a lot of customers were saying to Coros, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you add these features? Um, so there's been a lot of beta testing being going on on the Coros watches that I've been doing. It's been public, you know, it was available for customers to test. It wasn't something I necessarily got chosen to do. But they're adding some new features that are just sort of getting launched at the moment where they're, they're putting in some functions where you can do turn by turn. So you get alerts that there's a turn coming up. Because at the minute their watches didn't do that. You just got a, a brilliant off course alert. And I think they've got quite a few new things. Oh, sorry, I know for a fact they have because the advertiser is not a hidden stuff they're really putting a lot of work into um the training stats and information like the heart rate information all the stuff that builds up how your fitness is doing they've got some fitness experts that have come in and working very closely with them so i think there'll be some interesting just nice positive things that they're upgrading with regards to software and with regards to the app so that will be coming there'll be stuff we can revamp the online course training videos when some of these new features are fully launched and not just at the beta stage very good Anything else you'd like to see for the coming year, Andy? Any um, complete the Montane Spine Southern Challenger in June 2024 <laughs> for the third attempt. And he said it was a big you smile. Bet, you bet products, didn't you? No, no, no. I've very happy with that. I'm very happy because to be honest, got to get it done. <laughs> I can't wait uh, to see it. It's going to be quite interesting, this, actually, because as people don't know, my wife um, like sees me off and, 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 and welcomes me home. Well, actually, better see me off, and then hopefully, well, she will, Andy, she'll be ready to welcome you home as you yeah. finish um, 12, 24 hours later after I've, I've done it. So uh, it, don't worry, we're going to get photographic and video evidence when you cross the line, and we'll all jump for joy. Yeah. Uh, Training harder. and I think, like you know, you, you learn a lot, and <clears throat> nutrition and... You know what to do. You know, correct for, for, yeah, nutrition, getting the water correct. Just all the things I've learned over a couple of years of this being a very new, taking part in ultra event. You've not something that's like you've never done this sort of distance before either. So, um, got great people helping us train again. Uh, so I've, I've managed to actually rope to where. Uh, very good friends to come in there as well as training with me they're actually taking part so there's three of us at the moment actually going down to do the southern challenger that's fantastic no, no excuses no excuses i'm no sure excuses. you'll you'll fly through it as well <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about that we'll see we'll see june seems a long way away I as know. we sit here in plenty january of plenty we'll of time to do get it. the training in so 
Just one thing about to mention as we looking forward to the current year. This is actually coming out on New Year's Day. Between Christmas and New Year, if you get the GPS training newsletters, actually a quick questionnaire in there. So if you have already answered that questionnaire, brilliant. If not, can you quickly fill out the questionnaire? It's just a quick questionnaire about really the newsletter, where you sit, what you like about it, what you don't like about it, and also to give us some ideas. So as we go into the new year, we're kind of looking to revamp the newsletter. It may get a new name, it may have a new, um, I don't know, potential new, new way of presenting it. So if you do get our newsletter, which people don't know comes out every Friday, uh, it's, usually, it's called Top Tech and Team News, which it has done for many, many years now. It's had a very, very similar format. Please do fill out that questionnaire. Let us know your thoughts on it. And it just gives us something and, and we can take on board those thoughts as we build um, into 2024 and evolve and hopefully change that um, as we go forward. So really, that's what we've got ahead of, or that's what our thoughts are for 2024. No solar power, GPS units, um, base camp we've talked about, um, the two nav, which is the potential new GPS unit that we'll be coming on board with, um, and the spine race, um, which hopefully will be competing, competing again. Competing, in, no, competing. We'll be competing, well, competing in, I suppose. Complete, competing and completing in June, and uh, you'll hear all those over the coming year. And finally, many thanks for joining myself and Andy on the latest GPS training podcast. If there's anything you would like us to cover in future episodes, please do get in touch. And I very much hope you can join us on 2024 on one of our physical training courses that we do around the country. If you're unable to do that, uh, just try, we do both online one-to-ones over Zoom, and we also have our online resource, like our online training platform, which you can subscribe to. If you are listening on a on Apple Podcast or any other platform, please do give us a snazzy review and a five-star rating. And 2024, Andy, onwards and upwards, yeah. um, both in the world of GPS and watch navigation, and also in whatever you are doing. I mean, you being the listener of the GPS training podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed it. We have we have lots of fun uh, making the podcast. It's something we've done for many years now. Um, in 2024, we're actually going to have our 100th episode, um, which is not going to be that far off. We're up to 92 now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've changed quite a bit over the last don't know, number of years, the podcast, Andy, isn't it? Yeah. We sit here with carpet in front of us to soften the sound these days. And all sorts of so with the 100th one, that'll be sometime after the Montaigne. Yes. We could have champagne for it. <laughs> a champagne podcast. A champagne podcast. A celebration podcast. podcast. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. We could, yeah, there's plenty of, there's plenty of drink in the fridge. It's yeah, on the list for next year. Podcast, 100th podcast, champagne celebration. You get into quite, quite good conversations. You're saying it has to be after the Montaigne because Andy doesn't drink until the Montaigne. Is that, is that the implication? I've, I've went teetotal. I've had a couple of sneaky drinks when we've had some work things but i've been very i don't drink at all at home um so I've, i'm targeting myself to try and stay as teetotal as possible no drinking at home um just as a bit of a mental challenge and hopefully help me get through the montane summer 2024 challenger excellent so as always many thanks Andy, for joining me on this month's gps training podcast and i very much hope you can continue to support us in 2024 Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.